Um, girl, quick question. How many of your cousins did you see in this? Was this did it feel like a family reunion to you? Once again, like watching home movies. <laughs> That's a Lady Pates joke from Fear City. No, it's crazy. You know, my parents, I'll, I'll get into it in the app, but my parents lived through this. I, I cannot believe they survived Queens in 1977 and lived to tell the tale, but I'll tell I... you the tales. <laughs> Bananas, they were there. It was so crazy. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Patrick Hines, spot up. Okay, okay. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Okay, good, you good. guys, before we get to the episode, just a reminder: if you want more GP and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 150 full bonus episodes to download a binge right now. Everything from Tiger King to Lorena. We're in the middle of the vow, girl. We're almost done with the vow. <laughs> I mean, it, the vow is never ending. There's so much content about yeah. the vow. We're gonna get to all of it. Uh, did you say Tiger King? Uh, maybe. Don't F with cats. The staircase, making a murderer. The Jinx. Uh, Lacey Peterson. I, oh, the Menendez murders, you guys. I was thinking about this the other day. We went on a journey with the Menendez murders. Somebody texted me a joke about the Menendez boys the other day, and I got mad, and I went off for like 10 minutes, and my friend was like, are you okay? You were like, no. <laughs> no. We learned a lot. We, we learned a lot in those four episodes. <laughs> but it's ad-free versions of these episodes, ringtones, hang sessions. It's just a party. I say it every week, but it's true. I'm a truth teller. That's what <laughs> Lady Pace is. <laughs> Just in time for the holidays, you guys, they are the most, I don't know, delectable bedding, sheets, loungewear, pillows you could possibly imagine. Yeah, it's all very luxurious. It's yeah. two of my actual favorite things. Winter being here, feeling cozy, Brooklinen, I'm obsessed with this. The reason I love Brooklinen, you guys, is because they're like fancy hotel-level sheets. The sheets and pillowcases and stuff literally stay cool. They keep you cool, and they make the perfect gift. Right, so this is really what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. Black Friday's coming up. People in your life are very hard to buy for. We're not saying anything mean. No. Sometimes it's just the truth. Right. You know, everyone has that hard to please aunt. They're a pain. Please, we all know about it. So they have candles. They have eye masks. They have robes. So that's for her. That's for that aunt who just can't be ever pleased. The other option for her, and you know who you are, there are gift card options, you guys. So they can actually pick out what they want on their own if they're so picky that you don't even want to try. Right, because everything that Brooklyn has is great. And you know she's going to say, well, no, no, no. I wanted that pattern. Right. Okay, just do it yourself, Kathy. Right. Here's the gift card. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry. So cozy up to Brooklyn's biggest sale of the year coming soon, you guys. Brooklyn is so confident in their product that all of their sheets, comforters, loungewear, and towels come with a 365-day warranty. That's a full year. You guys get huge savings and free shipping during Brooklyn's biggest sale of the year only at brooklinen.com. So that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use promo code TCO to let them know our show sent you. That's brooklinen.com, promo code TCO. And if you can't wait for the sale, you guys, or if you're just hearing this and it's post-Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you can still use promo code TCO at brooklinen.com for 10% off and free shipping in the U.S. anytime. That's cheer all year round, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> cheer all year round. Come on, get cozy. All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Son of Sam, Hunt for a Killer. I didn't know anything about this girl. I knew nothing about this. I didn't even know the guy's name. Yeah, David Berkowitz. How about that? Oh, get this. There's a dad at my kid's school whose name is David Berkowitz. I swear to God. Here's a tip. Don't mention that to him. Don't no. be like, be the one person in his life who doesn't say, have you ever heard of the son of Sam? I got to say he's the nicest, sweetest, greatest dad. Like he's such a nice guy. But David Berkowitz, what a name. Yeah. This David Berkowitz is none of those things. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> Go out and kill commands Father Sam. I am here on Earth to create havoc and terror. New York, 1977. A gunman is targeting young couples. Well, he pulled something out of his pocket and started firing into the car. And I was yelling out for help, and then I collapsed over the roof of the car. The NYPD believe a serial killer is on the loose, but they have no leads. Then, on May the 30th, 
Famed journalist Jimmy Breslin opens a letter from the killer. Mr. Breslin, sir, I am a monster. I am the son of Sam. That name caught fire. He came out of the dark, and the dark became a time to fear. There was this sort of overriding sense that you could be next, or someone you know could be next. It felt really apocalyptic. We're all scared. A bizarre, sick mind. They were just declared war on New York. 40 years later, detectives, witnesses, and survivors relive the hunt for a serial killer. Up until now, um, none of us have ever um, come forward. I could never forgive him for what he's done. Girl, it's July 1976. Uh-huh. You guys, I got a question for you. Oh, what, what, whatever could you be wondering? <laughs> Where's my club? You guys, it is peak disco, peak Liza. We are dancing up a storm. Yeah, and we hear this woman, she's a a psychologist, and she's like... There was a time when women felt a new freedom to be be me, if you will, and to be single and go out and date. People had a good time. (laughs) You know, the thing about the 70s is that women... They're being free. They're being themselves. They're dating. They're having a good time. And she's like, people had a good time. Like, she's just almost like just between us. I'm like, yeah, the 70s were wild. We get it. It's so crazy. I feel like everything that we've learned about the 70s between this and like all the other ones we've done, plus like the um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, like women were like on their own for the first time and not safe, girl. Not safe. Not No, 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 not not safe at all. Even we meet Renee Graham who's a journalist from the Boston Globe, who we both love. I am obsessed with her. And she's like, you know, the thing about, because again, you guys, it's 15 minutes about how shitty New York City was in the 70s, and we totally get it. But I love how Renee just goes, it felt like, to me, the world's most dangerous amusement park. But I really like that. It was a great place to be, because there was always something to get into. Renee was trouble when she was a teenager. Yeah, there was a little twinkle in her eye when she said that. I'm like, ooh, stories for days, Renee. (laughs) So the first case we learn about, it's 18-year-old Donna Loria. And, you know, everyone is saying that she was just caught up in the excitement of the disco era. You guys, there was a lot to be excited about. It was disco, and it was here. And she also had her shit together. She was working as a medical technician. She was studying to get her license. She was, you know, a kid. And so on July 29th, Donna and her friend Jody Valenti get home super late after a night out. And Donna's dad is not thrilled about how late it is. No. And these girls work hard, play hard. Somebody said, like, after visiting a number of clubs in Manhattan, ladies. Great. They've earned it. They studied all week long. They can do whatever they want. But yeah, the dad is super pissed. They're in the Bronx. And the dad comes down and he's, like, yelling at her. But then he's like, all right, let's go walk the dog. Yeah, like, (laughs) responsibilities. So they go to walk the dog together. And so the dad goes upstairs to get Donna's dog. And so Donna and Jody are still, I guess, saying goodnight in the car and like some guy comes out of the shadows and shoots and kills Donna and wounds Jody. Again, not knowing anything about this case, they are not clear at this point that Jody was also not killed. Yes, they they are not clear at all. So I did not know what happened to Jody, but Jody survived. Yeah, and so the thing is, I don't know if anyone's heard about this, but New York in the 70s was a mess. (laughs) Like, enough. But the attack was, it was so horrible, but it was was barely reported because like there were 1,700 100 murders in 1976 alone in New York City. I mean, that is so fucking bananas. Renee is just like counting it off. She's like, murder was up, rape was up, armed robbery was up. You know, there was a lot of desperation. We had so many homicides in those days. The sheer number of cases was overwhelming. It was not a safe place to live in the 70s, you guys. It's why, like, if you live in New York and you know somebody who's been on a rent-controlled lease in the village since, like, 1974, and they're paying, you know, $200 a month for what would now cost $8,000 a month, these people have fucking earned it. You yeah. get your $200 a month for your eighth-floor walk Those rent-controlled apartments are the best thing to come out of New York in the 70s. I know, totally. No question. <laughs> that and the village people, girl. How dare you? It's fun to stay at the... It's fun to stay at the YMCA. 
So they do this throughout where we get the voiceover of the Son of Sam letters. And I know it's an actor. And the actor is making a very strong choice with his characterization here. Uh, let's, the voiceover is ridiculous. I don't know who <laughs> decided. Let's just call it what it is. But spoiler, this guy's a schlub. Like, right. It's like 90 minutes yeah. of like the city in terror. And then it's like that, that dude with that voice did it. He sounds like this. He's like, I love to hunt. Prowling the streets looking for fair game, tasty meat. I live for the hunt. I love to hunt. Prowling the street for fair game. Tasty meat. I live for the hunt. And it's super fucking creepy. And if you're reading the le- like the letter, sure. then it's terrifying. But like when you're hearing, I feel like it- Berkowitz in jail to this day is like, oh man, they got that guy? Yeah. But also, <laughs> if you're reading the letter in 76, you're thinking... This guy's just trying to be the Zodiac Killer. Writing letters, like talking about the dangerous game and meat. Yeah. And then they add like the New York, I love to hunt. Right. I want to get the fair game. I love the delicious meat of the girls in the Bronx. Like, what are you? Stop, guy. It's really, really bad. Also, one of these two cops that was like on the original squad mm-hmm. investigating this murder, we meet him today and he's doing his interview in a bar in the middle of the day. So many of these people do their interviews in bars. Is it just that bars are available during the day so they're cheap to rent for these shoots? That's gotta be it. That's gotta be it. Or also like me, I'd say, yeah, what bar are we meeting at for this interview? Right. <laughs> yes, I will do it. What bar are we going to. Yeah, you're asking me for my time. What <laughs> bar would you like me to be at? It's a very simple question. What bar? Just give me a give me a cross street. So we we meet Carl DeNaro and he really wants us to know that in 1976 he laughs about it, but dude smoked some pot. In 1976, I was 20 years old and um smoked pot. <laughs> smoked a lot of pot. <laughs> It's okay then and it's okay now. (laughs) Wait a second. That is very true. And he is a little bit uncomfortable sharing that truth about us. Uh But girl, you're going to skip over how we're introduced to this guy. With the, oh, the picture. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) We meet this guy and he just immediately we're flashed a picture of these like three hot 20 something hippie guys with their shirts off in the middle of New York City. And you're not going to give me my moment? How long have we been doing this? I'd let you have it right now. We're living your moment. Yeah, they're, they're drinking beer, shirts off yeah. at like Jones Beach or whatever. And they look good, girl. Look <laughs> she looked good. good. <laughs> Turn around, girlfriend, and listen to that boy's song. So Carl is out partying because he joined the Air Force and he's out celebrating one of his last nights as a civilian. And he's with Rosemary Keenan. And yeah. he tells us that her dad was a cop. And uh, on a a few occasions, I'd be at her house, you know, with other people. And, um, you know, her dad would come in and he'd take one look at me with the long hair and the earring. And, you know, he he wasn't a big fan of mine. He, uh, to put it lightly, not a big fan of mine. Not a big fan of Carl. Which is also just like, Dad, lighten up. Like, he seems like a good guy. He's still embarrassed that he used to smoke pot. Like, give the kid a chance. God damn it. I know. So they're at this bar and Rosemary is parked a couple of blocks away on 164th Street. I grew up on 169th Street. Oh my God, is that right? When I say that this is like my parents' like place, I'm telling you like, the fact that they're alive is a miracle, truly. Like, yeah, tr- that they made it through this. <laughs> but so this guy, Carl, tells us that like he and Rosemary leave. They're going to her car. And so Boston Globe Renee, who I'm obsessed with, who did a lot of making out in cars in the 60s it seems like. You know what? Everyone in the 70s was making out in a car all the time. Like, according to this documentary, every time yeah. two people were in a car in the 70s, they were making out. Every yeah. every street was a lover's lane, according to Renee. Well, and that's what Renee says. She's like, you know, lover's lanes were wherever you made them, really. You know, if you had someone with a car and you were dating someone, you would find an abandoned street, you know, where you could sort of be in the car and talk and maybe kiss a little bit or whatever the case is. I mean, the worst you thought that could happen is that someone might see you. But you, you, it never, at least it never crossed my mind that something bad could happen. Lover's lanes were anywhere you wanted them to be. You just pull over and you get your tongue in my mouth. Yeah. Ha, I'm not going to ask you again. Okay, fine. Actually, no. <laughs> Thank you for asking, but no. So the stupid voiceover is back and he's like, sometimes... It gets so overwhelming that I fear myself or whatever. He's a little Woody Allen, which is bad enough. Sometimes the need to kill becomes so overwhelming that I fear myself. I'm certain there is something inside me, an alien presence 
this need to obtain blood and kill. Like a horror movie villain? He is not. At least not in the voiceover. <laughs> in any sense of the term. Like, I just, I can't. And this is like what the director was going for? Like, aren't we supposed to be scared? I don't know, girl. I <laughs> I asked myself all of these questions as well. Yeah. <laughs> so they're sitting there. So Carl and Rosemary are like, you know, they're smooching, they're talking, whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, five gunshots. <laughs> Carl is shot. And yeah. they go back to the bar to get some help. Wait a second. Wait, wait a second. You're So Carl, he's been shot. And Rosemary's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going back to the bar. We're turning this. I, I'm assuming it's like last call. It's like two in the morning. They don't know where to go. Like she's just like. I know. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that all of his like soon to be Air Force buddies were there. And she's just like, I, like, why would she go like wander into the darkness when someone just came out of the darkness to shoot them? I, I, I get it. But when they get to the bar, Carl tells us of this bananas interaction he has with the bouncer. He's been shot, and he's walking into the bar. Then the doorman opens the door and says, Carl, you don't look too good. And I said, I don't feel too good. And when I sat down, my head went down, and my long hair was holding in uh, blood from my head wound, and my shirt turned blood red within seconds. Carl was shot in the head and like yeah. the bullet shatters his skull and also I've known door guys who are like that where it's like don't fucking make jokes to me you don't know me number one and two I, if I'm in a bad way it'll be like yeah you really could use a little sleep or whatever shut up I'm not telling anybody how they need to react in a moment like this but like Rosemary if you've made the decision that your friend has been shot and you're gonna drive somewhere could you drive to the hospital why are you going to the bar maybe this bar is known for its first aid kit I don't know but I'm saying just keep on driving girl get him to the hospital <laughs> Yeah, that bar on 164th, that's why they're going for the first totally. aid kit. <laughs> I hear they've got a, an amazing first aid kit. It's like a killer first aid totally. kit. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, sorry. What? That was horrible. No, and it's like we're laughing because everybody lives in this situation. Like, Carl goes and, like, has to have, like, a 24-hour surgery because this bullet fractured his skull. And then, even though they had, like, a similar shooting like this that resulted in Donna dying, like, three months ago... No one is connecting this. So remember, Rosemary, the date here, her dad is a cop. So Carl is like in the hospital. He just had literally brain surgery to get the bullet out of his head. Right. And the cops all come in and they're giving the guy a hard time. So the cops in the Bronx are like, all right, so we have two shootings, both in a car with this crazy 44 caliber bullet. One in the Bronx, one in Queens. Maybe they're connected. That's what the Bronx cops are doing. The Queens right. cops, who happen to be Rosemary's dad and his buddies, start right. hassling the hippie with the long hair. I saying, <laughs> you dumb hippie, it must be you and your shady drug deals gone wrong that right. had the shooting. I just have, like, could you ask if the kid is okay first? Like, nobody cares. No. Rosemary's dad is like, hard no. no. <laughs> and Carl, like, I'm sure for a parent, Carl was like, oh, God, this guy. But Carl seems very nice right now. I totally agree. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being an idiot. But I just can't imagine Carl was being all that shitty back in 76. I think he was a pretty good guy. Simply Safe is back. TikTok, time for me to tell my terrifying story o'clock. It's terrifying, but it gets the job done. It's true. You guys, I was broken into twice while I was home and asleep before Simply Safe, you guys. But with Simply Safe, it's never happened. Also, you get an arsenal of cameras and sensors, and you get the best professional monitors in the business. I've never felt safer. I'm not joking. And it's easy to set up because I love you, girl. <laughs> but if I may, please, sometimes you have some trouble with the setting up I of the things. <laughs> and with Simply Safe, you do it yourself in about 30 minutes. It's super easy. You're not worrying about someone coming into your house. You can do this by yourself and it makes you feel more secure to hook up your own security system yourself. Yeah. Plus you guys, there's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees or installation costs because you hook it up yourself in under 30 minutes. Right now, listeners of TCO get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash TCO. You guys, you also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com slash TCO for your free security camera today. That's simplysafe.com slash TCO. And you guys keep that longer than one day. The police might need it sometime. <laughs> okay, that's a whole other thing. We have too much to do today. I know. But you know how I feel about it. <laughs> 
And so now it's like time is passing. And now Christine Freund and her fiance, John Deal, they're in Queens. They go out to dinner super late. They're sitting in the car talking about the actual future of their relationship now. Oh, it's so awful. And of course, interrupting, we get this bullshit voiceover where it's like, I am the demon from the bottomless pit. I take the lives of those who are not willing to give them up. I am the demon from the bottomless pit. I take the lives of those who are not willing to give them up. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? I mean, listen, David Berkowitz is garbage, but that is not the tone he intended when he wrote that. I'm just saying it isn't. <laughs> well, guess what, Berkowitz? <laughs> right, totally. Welcome to True Crime Obsessed. You're a piece of shit. I don't buy any of this I'm crazy bullshit. Totally, totally, And totally. Here's, here's a little Queens for you. Go fuck yourself. That's how we do it, okay? David Berkowitz, you have notes on my voiceover, Berkowitz? Fuck off. I don't take notes from serial killers. I don't do it. You got notes on my VO, Berkowitz? I say fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Berkowitz coming to me like this. I'm sure a lot of people we talk about have notes on my opinions. Totally. I'm not taking them. So they're just sitting there talking about their future and they say like the world just explodes and it's Mm -hmm. just fucking awful. Christine is bleeding and John gets out screaming for help. He tries to stop motorists who will not stop his crazed individual trying to save the love of his life. But because John is uninjured, of course he's a suspect for a while. And they put him through, and they say this all in one breath, like we're not supposed to stop and talk about it. So John, he went through this whole thing of interrogation, uh, hypnosis, lie detectors. Was that uh, unsettling for him? Sure, definitely was. They put him through interrogations, hypnosis, lie detectors. I'm like, hypnosis? I know. You put him through what? But here's the thing. Captain Joe Borelli from Queen's Homicide gets involved, okay? Totally. Has he ever been to your house for dinner? Does he ever come over for cold pasta? <laughs> cold pasta. Cold pa- Some mu- multiple Chiano or whatever. Ooh. You, it's really good wine. I, I, I've had my share of multiple Chiano. <laughs> okay. It's so good, right? It is very good. So he's like, okay, can everyone shut up for a second? This, <laughs> everyone keeps screaming about how their murders have this 44 caliber bullet that's kind of weird that we never see. Yeah, now we're starting to see it. Maybe we can put some shit together. Together and really see what's going on because then once they start investigating they realize oh there's been a fourth shooting right with right. Donna DeMassi and Joanne Lamino and another 44 caliber bullet and like I don't fully understand what happened I think that both of these women lived we do meet like we do meet this like nice old lady on the street who's like they killed a girl again nothing here I never hear those things what happened now news crews right. I'm sure she's lovely and be nice to people that you meet when you you meet people like that but if you're looking for some kind of soundbite or something like because she's as confused and panicky as the rest of us it's not helpful which i know you don't really want to help us you don't care you just want the ratings you want the money whatever but i'm just saying this poor woman and did you answer any of her questions probably not probably not you probably left her worse off than how you found her totally and I resent it. She was very confused. She did have a lot of questions. So here, here's what we know. All the murders included young women with dark hair sitting in cars at night. They're shot suddenly through the glass by someone they didn't know and they ran away. Let me tell you, my mom fit this profile to a T. My parents were 21. They oh were in God. Queens. They saw every movie. They were not in the disco scene. My mom wanted me to point that out on the podcast. They were like not going to the discos. <laughs> I love that your mom was offended by the idea of being associated with the disco scene. <laughs> I was like, did you guys go to Elephant's like this other club that we learned about later. And she was like, yeah. no, we just, mm, no. So they weren't in the disco scene, but they were always like driving around and like, so we'll get to that later. But my mom like fit the pattern of this. Like, and they don't talk about this in the documentary, but girls back at this time, especially when people started knowing about it, they were wearing their hair up in baseball caps. Yeah. Like kids weren't being left alone. Like it got crazy. Do you know who else fit the profile? Your boyfriend, Carl. My boyfriend, Carl. Carl, who, like, really does have a good sense of humor about all this. He's like, of course, still being in my hippie stage, I had long brown hair. And I was sitting in a passenger seat. So it wasn't too much of a leap to, um, to assume that I was mistaken for a female. You know, if you think about it, I was a skinny hippie with a girl's body and long brown hair. And I was sitting in the passenger seat. And he basically goes... Yeah, I was a, I was um I was mistaken for a woman. <laughs> Which I was like, Carl, it happens to me all the time on the phone, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Every time 
finally answer the phone. I gotta say, I don't get a single ounce of quote no homo ness from Carl. Totally. Like Carl is totally. just like, yeah, I was sitting there like the guy. It was the middle of the night. The guy thought I was a woman. Like he says it with like a very matter of fact totally. as he should <laughs> kind of tone. I mean, this guy, you know, I'm sorry. We talk about on the vow how Sarah loves being the girl from the cult. Something tells me that Carl get a couple whiskeys in him. Loves kind of being the guy that was shot by Senna Sam. Like he tells that story a lot. Carl can have that story. Totally. Sarah's a whole, whole <laughs> other can of worms. Please. It's the next recording. Okay. I'm a little nervous for that recording. <laughs> you know who should be nervous? Sarah Edmondson and Mark Vicente. They should be nervous. I am fucking coming for them. I learned some shit in between recordings. Oh, I'm furious. Okay. <laughs> So March 8th, 1977, there's another murder and it's a 19 year old girl named Virginia. And this is different because, yes, it is a 44 caliber bullet, but she's shot dead. This is so horrible. In the middle of the sidewalk at 730. She's not in a car. It's not in the middle of the night. It's not a couple. And so the cops are like, oh, is this dude getting bolder now? Fuck this. Yeah. And the cop in describing her brutal murder has to call her pretty. Knock it off. There's this very pretty young girl. Uh, just laying there, and some guy had come up, some stranger, and killed her right there. From this date forward, no cop, no matter when it happened, is allowed to refer to the dead girl as pretty. Enough. I know. I just, I'm anticipating how I'm going to get yelled at when it comes up again. Because it will come up again, because nobody <laughs> listens. Nobody listens. And so now we meet some townspeople from Queens. <laughs> Are they all your cousins, or just a handful? You know, I... I wanted to send like a screenshot of this to like my parents and say like friends of yours or what's going on because we meet these these girls and they're like yeah you have to be careful you have to watch where you go now you know how late you stay out I feel kind of spooked about you know like sit down there when I get shot we used to stay in front of my house and park you know and kiss goodnight but we can't do that no more yeah you have to be careful you got to watch where you go you know you could get shot I feel kind of spooked about it and then this my favorite one of my favorite people we've ever met in a documentary if you or someone you know knows this person please call me she is dressed to kill this girl she looks great those glasses they're like half her face and she's like and she's chewing her gum and she's like yeah we used to sit in front of my house and park and kiss goodnight but yeah we can't do that no more it's a real shame we can't do that no more sitting making out and smooching in front of the house you know there's a murderer someone's gonna show up and shoot yeah she's one sister-in-law away from the wallpaper in the downstairs bathing all of us I love this girl I don't know I don't know who she is but I love her so now because New Yorkers were going out of their minds that there's a serial killer on the loose crossing boroughs, there's a task force of like 50 detectives. Yeah. And it's like every one of the detectives is older and whiter than the next one. Do you know what I mean? I know. I know. I know. So they're trying to find like the cops are just like, well, maybe we'll just run into it. Like maybe we'll just find them somehow. So they're trying to focus on these like. These hot spots for young couples that are also close to major roadways so he can get in his car and run away. But I'm like, didn't Renee tell us that like makeout zones can be anywhere totally. you make them as long as you have a car in a dark alley? When it comes to makeout spots, I 100% trust Renee. She's done her share of smooching and that's great. <laughs> so they're also doing this thing. We're back when they're grasping at straws now. Please don't blow past this. Please walk us through this as slowly as possible because this is my favorite thing. They're trying to like bait this guy basically. Yeah, totally. So they're just... <laughs> Just sort of like a detective would be in the car on like a lover's lane kind of street, which again is just a street. Right. And in the passenger seat would be a mannequin. <laughs> and they realized very quickly that that isn't going to work. But then the word come back saying, it's no good because there's no movement, you know? There was no movement with the mannequin. It was just very clearly a mannequin. <laughs> And so because that didn't work somehow, I don't know how long they realized until they realized it wasn't going to work or until someone who's like bringing the coffee and donuts. Yes, I'm going with that stereotype. Just give me a break. It's been a long day. She walks up to the car and they're like, Joe, you know, that doesn't look like shit, right? You know, that doesn't that looks like a fucking mannequin. The mannequin looks like a mannequin. You know, we're not getting this guy with that, right? You guys, what happens next? Pull up, just pull over. This is going to be the rest of your night. What happens next is going to be the rest of your fucking night. Well, it's very much like the Stonewall documentary we did. The Stonewall documentary. Yeah, if you if you came to our Pride show. Yeah, so, because I guess not a single woman on the force, right? They just start putting wigs on the male detectives. And I'll never forget, I was standing there one night, Ronnie Marcenison was going out with Richie Paul. And 
Ronnie turned around and he, and he said to Richie, he said, remember now, when you kiss me tonight, keep your eyes open. Of course, this guy sneaks up on us. They are definitely telling this story through like a 2020 lens because I cannot imagine the fucking talk at the station over how they decided who was going to be the girl one. I know, I know. Because he's like, we hated this son of a bitch so much. He's like, just so you know, we weren't going to arrest this guy. If he comes running to start shooting me and my quote date, we're going to shoot him back and then this whole thing would have been over. I do love the visual of like them chasing this guy through the woods in the wig. I just, I like the visual of it. I know and it, because they're sitting in the car is it just the full <laughs> uniform and the wig or is it straight Stonewall style where they're wearing the ugly dresses? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Is it just for the sake of you see the hair flowing or is it the whole enchilada? I wonder. I'll never know. Travel Native is back. You guys, as you know, Native is the deodorant that we all like switched to a year ago when they became a sponsor and then stuck with because it's like the most amazing deodorant ever. No joke. This morning I got out of the shower. I put on my Native and I thought, I hope they're a sponsor again soon because I want to talk about how much I love them. And guess what? Here we are. It's a great day after all. The holiday season is right around the corner. We're all getting into the spirit by indulging the sights and sounds and scents of the season. Also, my birthday's right around the corner. Yes. Let me tell you about this candy cane gift set. Yes. Tell us everything. Do you see my face? That's on my list. (laughs) It's a great gift option. And all the native products are great stocking stuffers for everyone on your list. And they won't get insulted. I know. If you're like, oh, here's some deodorant. They don't have like aluminum, no parabens, no sulfates, no talc. Just say, I'm looking out for you. That's the whole thing, you guys. I had been hesitant to switch to native because I have very sensitive skin. And sometimes deodorant like will burn my skin. Mm -hmm. So when I found something that worked, all of a sudden I was like, well, now I have to try native. And I switched over. Not only does it smell better, it works better. And I never even remember that I'm wearing it because nothing hurts just sulfates and talc no thank you you guys give the gift of native by going to nativedo.com slash tco or use promo code tco at checkout and get 20 percent off your first order and make sure you order before december 7th to get your products in time for christmas that's nativedo.com slash tco or use promo code tco i really love native you guys <laughs> again december 21st the candy cane gift set <laughs> Just a reminder. Girl, Daily Harvest is back. Look, this copy says it's the time of year where I I need to get back into my normal routine. I'm not doing that Daily Harvest, but I will tell you the one thing in my life that has not changed in the last year is that I have a Daily Harvest smoothie for breakfast like almost every day. This morning I had the mint chocolate again because it's my (laughs) absolute favorite. (laughs) I know that routine. I know that routine very, very well. The reason I love it is because you can make your breakfast in 60 seconds. It's like little cups full of flash frozen fruit, some veggies. You add your liquid, you throw it in the blender. Bada bing, bada boom, girl. You got your breakfast in 60 seconds. It's my favorite, favorite easy thing. Yeah, so I love the breakfast smoothies, but just to be clear, because I'm more of a savory person, they have these really delicious roasted harvest bowls. They have hearty soups, which Mike loves. So now, you know, winter's coming. This is my season. I need that really delicious, like warm comfort food. Yeah. Daily Harvest has me covered for breakfast, healthy smoothie, and healthy savory meals for the rest of the day. Then they also have you for dessert because they've got the scoops, which is the plant-based ice cream, which I was convinced I wasn't going to like. And I I love it. I can eat a pint in a single sitting. Oh, yeah. And I'm not just eating warm soups in the winter. You know I'm eating that ice cream. I love Daily Harvest. I've been eating it as a staple of my diet for really like the last 18 months, you guys. So whether you're doing a home workout, probably not. Going on a bike ride, not me. Or a hike, I'm offended. No. No. Daily Harvest is the easiest way to eat undeniably delicious, clean food. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code TCO to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code TCO for 25 bucks off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Dailyharvest.com. Go. It's delicious. Purchase in 60 seconds. What else do I need to tell you? And also lunch. So remember Captain Joe, the one from Queens, who's like, why are we not connecting all these weird bullets together? Right. I love Captain Joe. Yeah. So Captain Joe, like more desperate than the mannequins, more desperate than the wigs. (laughs) Captain Joe gets a phone call from a guy who says, hey, Captain Joe, boy, do I have news for you. And he told me, my wife has these special powers. He's gonna strike again, the killer. He's gonna strike on a street that's not a street and a parkway, but it's not a parkway. He's gonna kill um, two people, a man and a woman. They're gonna be in a car that's black and red. And he's gonna speak to you. Why didn't 
the wife just call? Do you know what I mean? Because she's a woman right. and it's the 70s and who cares? Even though she has magical powers, she's still not cool enough or enough of a human to get on the phone and tell Captain Joe herself. Or this guy's full of shit. Or this is David Berkowitz. Like, or, or, or. Because it comes to pass, you guys. So April 17th, officers are called to a scene. And mm-hmm. as the man's psychic wife promised. And it was on the service road of the Hutchinson River Parkway. It wasn't a street. And it wasn't the parkway. The car is black and red. The man and the woman are killed. And at that scene, there was a note left addressed to me. And this is also where we learned that he like names himself. So they've been calling him the 44 caliber killer. He decides to call himself the son of Sam. And now all of a sudden he's got the name. So then the cops are like, wait, are we looking for a dude named Sam now? Like the son of Sam? Like what is going on with this? And I was like, can you guys not be too literal about this? Like for the love of God, Jesus Christ. You'll you'll learn later. This guy's not a genius. No. (laughs) You'll learn later. So May 30th, 1977, the son of Sam sends this really long letter to Jimmy Bresley at the Daily News. And Jimmy Breslin was like the New York City reporter. People bought the Daily News specifically to read Jimmy Breslin's column. It was yeah. a really big deal. But also like the letters were really fucking long. And like the handwriting is really meticulous. Like it's very like stylized. Yeah. But like to be Jimmy Breslin and fucking get a letter from the serial killer, holy shit. The letter was very eerie. I mean, uh, you know, then you know that he, he read something that you wrote and that Somewhere out there, he's reading again. Yeah, and it's also like, because Son of Sam's saying, hey, Jimmy Breslin, I want to talk to New York. You're the only way I can do it. Yeah. Why don't you publish this? And so they only published part of it. And that edition of the Daily News where the letter was published was the best-selling edition of the Daily News of all time. Yeah, of course. I mean, of course it was. Right. So you guys, it's June 27th, 1977. We're going back to the club. Okay, this is the club. They pronounce it the Eliphas. It was a popular nightclub in Queens. My dad was like, no, no, it was the Eliphas. He's like, (laughs) the Eliphas. I was like, Dad. Yes, Mr. P. So 17-year-old Judy Placido is dancing it up at Elephus. She's having a great time. She's celebrating graduating high school. So the cops, because remember, like, the cops were just trying to, like, catch him. They were trying to go to popular <laughs> spots. Yeah. The cops were already parked outside kind of waiting for him because the, sp- the spot is really popular. It's where people meet, and then they go into their cars, and they smooch, and they do whatever. So Judy meets Salvatore Lupo when while they're dancing it up. Cutie patootie. Right. So they're in their car, exactly this. They just leave. They're they're in their car kind of talking about the son of Sam. And as they're talking about, isn't this so scary? I can't believe we're in this car. What's going to happen? Yeah. There he is. Like, son of Sam runs up to the car, shoots them. They both survive, even though Judy's been shot in the head. This is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. One of the bullets enters Judy's head, spins around, and stops just over her eye. Think about those chances that... Getting hit by a 44 doesn't penetrate your skull. But remember the cops that were parked outside? Yeah. There was a shift change, so no one was there in the five minutes that they left. I know. And the cops, like, rightfully feel bad about it. Like, it's not their fault it was a shift change, I guess. I guess, but can you have someone show up before they leave the post? Like, don't leave your post unattended. There's a murderer on the loose. All right, fine. Strike it from the record. I mean, Uh we're dealing with a serial killer on the loose in Queens. I take it back. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) But so here's the thing. So my, this is a, a story that I've known about, of course, like, forever. This is like my only yeah. connection to this. My parents went out again. They were not disco people. I will make that clear. They were not. They were not at Elephus. But <laughs> your mom will be so mad if you don't make it very clear that they did not like disco, Jillian. They were not in, in the disco scene. <laughs> but Elephus was on Northern Boulevard, and it was a spot like I. I was like, oh, that's where Elephus was, like by the Bayside Diner. Like that's like I know that spot. <laughs> Everything is in relation to the diner. I know that. I know that much about Queens. Please, it's so good. So my parents would go. They went to the movies that night, like they always did, and they. Parked at this bodega. It was late Saturday night. They were going to get the Sunday paper to see what the story was about the son of Sam, Jimmy Breslin. Like that thing about the newspapers, like everyone trying to figure out like yeah. what the hell was happening. They park. My dad was going to go. My mom went in with him because of the son of Sam. He was like, yeah. I wasn't going to leave her alone in the car. They go. They get the paper. They drive off. The next person to be in that spot, Judy and Salvatore. That was the spot where they were shot, but like survived. That they were attacked. Yeah. Because the next morning they're like, holy shit. And my dad calls my mom and he's like, girl. That was where we just were and like just left. And then like 10, 15 minutes later, that's where this attack took place. The idea that in like 1977, your dad called your mom and went, girl. I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is a crazy fucking story. Why? Here's my question. Why was anybody out? Just stay. It's like, it's not that hard to wear a mask. Just stay home. There's a I serial know. killer on the loose. Well, they, my parents weren't in a car at that moment. So <laughs> you have to live your life, but wear a mask. <laughs> And Boston Globe Renee, who I love, is like... You kept thinking, how is nobody catching this guy? How is somebody walking the streets with a giant gun and shooting people and nobody is seeing this? He's basically like in the middle of the street, murdering people, jumping in a car and driving off. No one's seen the guy. No one's seen the car. Like, what? How is that possible? Well, here's the thing. In the middle of all this chaos, we meet Wheat car who has a lot of similar questions i i have a lot of questions about this woman's name this woman's first name is wheat yeah wheat car wheat (laughs) usually i've said this before usually when people have names like that everyone else in the family has a similar kind of vibe yeah yeah, but it's like wheat and john and sam I'm like, wait, wheat's cool. It but is I don't cool. I wonder where wheat came from. I'm curious. Wheat, were you a Manson girl? Did so, is that how this happened? No, wheat is okay, wheat's on top of it, because wheat yeah. is a she was a, a police dispatcher up in Yonkers. Yes. And she and her family keep getting these like super disturbing letters. Samuel Carr, I've asked you kindly to stop that dog from howling all day long. I can see that there shall be no peace in my life or my family's life until I end yours. I can see there will be no peace in my life until I end your life. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I know, I know. <laughs> that really ramped up out of nowhere. But then we learned that, like, eventually the dog that this person is complaining about gets shot. I know. And I hate everybody. And that's kind of important. Like, they shoot the dog and it sucks. Right. And so, like, then we get another retired Yonkers cop. And he's like, normally in these situations, uh, it's impossible to prove who did it. And I'm like, can you try? I know it's hard, but can you try? You're at work anyway. Can you do me a kindness? Just five minutes. Whatever 77 Googing was. Can you, five, five minutes is all I ask. I know. I know. You're hungry. It's been a long day. It's noon. Please, five minutes. Thanks. And then as these people are learning that there's a serial killer on the loose, we see all these different bands of people who are like, give them to me. What was this? But give them to us mothers. That's who want to handle them. Don't give them to the cops. Don't give them to these boys. Give them to us mothers. We want to handle him the way we want to. What they would have done to this guy, I cannot even imagine, but it would have been fucking awful. And I've never heard of like, oh, the mothers will do it. Like, I've never heard anyone threaten that. This like gang of street tough moms that I kind of love. I know. I've just never seen this before. <laughs> to me, it felt very Queens. I'm surprised this is the first you're meeting her. Maybe I'll text my mom a photo of her, like, friend of yours. Totally. Mom. She's like, oh, my God, that's Sharon. What's Sharon doing? Hey, girl. <laughs> oh, she used to run that vigilante moms organization. I love. Whatever happened to Sharon? Oh, right. Did I not? Did I never tell you about Sharon before? She, Sharon, Sharon throw him to the mother's D'Angelo? I've never told you about her? <laughs> Oh, you don't cross Sharon. Ooh. Uh (laughs) You know, you know, when you were little and you were bad, we used to threaten that we'd tell Sharon about what you did. (laughs) Travel down the road and back again. Girl, Fab Fit Fun is back. Ding dong! Tis the season to like give and receive gifts. I always love this time of year. I always love Fab Fit Fun. And now two of my favorite things are coming together. Can you stand it? I've never been happier. You guys, as you know, Fab Fit Fun is that seasonal subscription box that is like full of all those fabulous goodies. What have you gotten lately that you are obsessed with? This is the thing I'm really the most obsessed with. It's Wish Lip Scrub in Vanilla Bean. Oh. So my lips get chapped. Like even during recordings, you see me always like putting chapstick on. <laughs> so it's this organic brown sugar and organic shea butter and it works together to exfoliate and soften your lips. Let me tell you, no one has seen me in eight months. I haven't been in the outside. My <laughs> lips have never been more exfoliated and it tastes delicious. So Daisy got an unhide Lil Marshmallow blanket, which is actually the perfect description for what this is. It's a fancy blanket. She sleeps with it every single night. I found her curled up in it this morning on the couch. Aww. She loves it so much. She just tears open her box and she pulls everything out. She's like a little Fab Fun princess in the making. Look, she learned from the best. Let's just tell them a little bit about the value. 
whenever they send products, they are full-size products, right? We're not talking like little like airplane size things. No, nothing that can get lost. Nothing that it's like, oh, two times. Oh, wait, but I need to use this eye cream every day. And then you can only use it for two days. No, no, no. This is really, really valuable, fancy pants, expensive stuff. So it's like the price isn't full size. How about that? We love FabFitFun so much, you guys. It's a little gift you can give to yourself or someone else. Sign up now so you can snag amazing products like an unhide Lil Marshmallow Blanket Daisy's obsessed with. Yeah, or my Wish Lip Scrub. Or both. You guys, use coupon code TCO for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. Use coupon code TCO for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. FabFitFun, we love you. Get that winter box, customize it, get the blanket, get the lip scrub, or do you. Get whatever you want. We're just saying those are two products we like. (laughs) So the anniversary of the first murder is coming up, and fucking Garbage Geraldo is here to tell us about it. No, we call it Thaniversary. Remember, we stole it from Kim Goldman. Thaniversary. Yeah. Uh, But my my point is that Garbage Geraldo is here, and girl, I I have one thing to say. What? He looks real good. (laughs) I knew you were going to love that outfit. I knew it. He is such garbage, but he he looked real good back in the day. I don't know what I don't know how else to say it. It was a good outfit. I just wish it wasn't on him. And I wish uh, what I'm saying when I say that I don't like picture Geraldo naked now. Seventies Geraldo. I'm just saying I wish it was someone else. I know. I just was like, damn Geraldo. God. God damn it, Geraldo. That's how I say it. So Geraldo is here to look great in a pair of slacks and to tell us that nothing happens. Geraldo is garbage. But two days later, we're meeting this guy, Bobby Violante, and he's going out on his first date with a beautiful young lady. Her name is Stacy Moskowitz. I was looking very forward to that evening. I'm getting ready to go out and I'm walking down the stairs from my house and uh, my mom turned to me and she says, all right, Robert, just be careful. Don't worry. I said, Mom, I'm going out with a blonde tonight. And kind of jokingly, he's like, oh, don't worry, Ma. Like, first of all, we're in Brooklyn. He's never been to Brooklyn. And I'm going out with a blonde. Like, you know, know, he targets brunettes. It's like, all right. Bobby seems to remember his dance card being pretty full back in those days. No, it's the blonde one tonight, Ma. He was, like, really excited for this date with Stacy. And so yeah. the date's going well. They go to a makeout area. And meanwhile, we meet Mike, the cop. And Mike is like, look. That area, I guess because it's so densely populated, very often, there's cars parked on a hydrant for the entire night. That bothered me. I'm not a ticket writer. I never was. But that ticket, I, you, you could cost somebody a life. He goes, I got to tell you something. He's like, I'm not a ticket writer. I never was. I don't like those quotas. I don't write tickets for nothing. But you know what I really hated? When you sit and you park in front of a hydrant all night. That bothered me. Now it's Columbo. That bothered me. And the reason it bothers him, and Mike the cop is absolutely right, yes. that could cost somebody a life. You can't sit in front of a fire hydrant all night long. Then totally. the fire department can't get to it, and then you're an asshole who makes a fire worse than it had to be. Stop. <laughs> you and Mike are in alignment on this. You guys really agree on this. So in the middle of Mike getting mad at everyone for parking at the hydrants all night long, yeah. he's going around. He's being like everyone's dad and breaking up all the kids making out. Out. I'm totally. like, what is happening in the 70s where there were just cars filled with teenagers making out as far as the eye could see? Excuse you. Your parents were among them. Somebody's glass house just got a little bit shattered. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm sorry, Barbara, this is not directed at you, but like, go home, you guys. There's a serial killer on the loose. I know. Anyway, so my Mike is breaking up all the kids making out. He's like, are you nuts? Don't you read the paper? And this one kid, according to Mike, the cop was like, he didn't come to Brooklyn yet. We drove away, and off they went. You didn't come to Brooklyn yet, guy. Stop ruining our good time. Everyone in Brooklyn's a wise guy, you guys. But so, like, the thing I don't like about this story is that, like, she's having a really good time with him, but, like, she kind of also is on the team of, like, let's not be out in public right now. Mm -hmm. Bobby tells us they get in the car, and they drive over to this park. We went to uh, go play on the uh, swings like two little kids. As we were going up to the swings, I had seen just some guy hanging out at the park house. Didn't pay any mind to him. We just walked by him. And then we were playing on the swings for about 10 minutes. And then she's starting to get a little nervous. She was saying, Robert, let's go and go back to the car. I said, okay. And so they get in the car and like Bobby wants to stay and make out a little bit. And she's like, well, can we maybe just go home? And he's like, all right, five minutes and we'll go. And we meet this other guy, Tommy. And Tommy is with us now as well. And that night was parked in front of them. Like his car was parked in front of Bobby and Stacy. So Tommy's here too. His car? It was a blue Corvette and the ladies loved it. Okay. <laughs> 
second one. You know who's talking about that blue Corvette at every cocktail party? Tommy. A million percent. Million percent. Corvette Tommy? Come on. <laughs> so Tommy says. I noticed somebody walking out of the park and he was walking towards the car behind me. It looked like he was going to get into the car or talk to somebody in the car. But he pulled something out of his pocket, got into a stance, and started firing into the car. It's so horrible. And Bobby is just for the sake of trying to get somebody's attention. He's just like honking his horn. So then the next thing I did was I opened the car door. I uh, wrapped my arm around the pole and uh, honked the horn as long as I could till it died out. He's injured. Stacy's gravely injured. It's just like Mike the cop was like, I was just over there. Yeah, he was just there like a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what we hear is Bobby was blinded, and Bobby's with us today, and he's blind. And Bobby's definitely had some facial surgery. Yeah, and we see, like, the the images we see from back then. Like, his injuries were, like, just horrible. And yeah. Stacy died. And it's heartbreaking for a hundred reasons, but he's like... It, it was a comfort to know that she had liked me, and I liked her, and we had a really nice time that night. And the sad part was about knowing possibly how many other nice nights we could have had together if things would have worked out. But it was a comfort to know that one night I had shared with her that was a really nice night. And on top of that, this is scary for everyone because now really all bets are off. It's yes. in, he's in three boroughs. Stacey was blonde. Like everything that everyone thought they knew about the son of Sam yes. is kind of yes. out the window, yes. even though he's still attacking teenagers in cars. But this is like, we're coming to the end now, you guys, and they're about to fucking get this guy. And like what Mike the cop does and, and a couple of other cops, they're, they're really smart. They know that the son of Sam was right in that park where they all just were. Again, nobody saw anything. It took me a minute to figure out what they were talking about, but they decided to go through the records and see who got summonses put on their cars that night. And that's why Mike the cop was like, for the record, I didn't like writing tickets, but I know why right. I wrote tickets that night. It yes. all comes back to the parking tickets. Exactly. And so the idea with the summons is that, you, well, whoever's car this is was definitely there. So maybe they saw something, right? Right. So Mike goes through and he's like, oh, right, that car that I wrote the parking ticket for in front of the fire hydrant, they like run the information. One of the summonses is issued to a David Berkowitz, 35 Pine Street, Yonkers, New York. What was someone living in Yonkers doing there at that moment? And they find out that it's a guy named David Berkowitz owns that car, and he lives in... In Yonkers, you know who else lives in Yonkers? Wheat Carr and her father, Sam Carr. Yeah, and not only that, when they decide they're going to call the cops in Yonkers to get more information on this guy, remember, Wheat is a police dispatcher. She takes the fucking call. So here's what happens. On the night of August the 9th, I was working 3 to 11 and answered a call. This guy was asking me to send two cops to knock on the door of someone I firmly believed to be a serial killer. And Wheat's like, girl, no! He's the one that's been writing the crazy letters to my family. I'm trying to tell you, he is the son of Sam. I've been screaming this for months. And he killed my dog. Yes, yes. And, and Wheat's like, hi, he's not a witness. I firmly believe he's a serial killer. Yeah. Please finally look into this. Yes, yes. And so they do, like, literally, you guys, this is so crazy. These cops kind of believe her. And she's been screaming about this for a long time. Right. They get his address from Wheat. Four cops go to the apartment building, which I looked up today. I've got information on. They go to the apartment building where he lives in Yonkers, and, like, the lead cop guy is like... Two of my detectives, I had them on the rear watching his fire escape while we were parked in our unmarked car over here. Four against the potential center, Sam. We should have had more people, but that was not my decision. That was not my decision. Right, because what happens is they search the car and they find a duffel bag full of guns and the note he was planning to leave at the scene of his next murder. So, like, remember the note that he left where he named himself the son of Sam? It's exactly the same thing. The handwriting is the same. All the shit is the same. It's like, dear Captain Joe, yeah. like, pass this on to Jimmy Breslin, the whole thing. But because they only had, like, four guys, they had to wait for him to come out. They didn't yeah. have bulletproof vests. They are like, okay, if he has a duffel bag of guns in his car, like, who knows what his apartment is like? It's right. probably, like, a torture chamber. Like, we don't know. So, so, like, oh, God. Oh, God. So just to be safe, they had to just sit and like kill time and wait for this guy to walk out the door. And he does at 10 o'clock at night. He's carrying a paper bag shaped in a triangle. He takes that and throws it on the seat next to him. 
the scene isn't explained very well in this. No. But basically, they let him get into his car, and as he's, like, turning the ignition, the head cop guy runs, like, rushes the car. I came up, put the gun through the window. He had his hand on the ignition key. He had just turned on the ignition, and I screamed at him, police, don't you move your hands, don't you go for a gun. I'll open up on you. I'm cursing, screaming, yelling at him, trying to put the fear of God in him. What does he do? This bitch. Yeah. Just as Bill the cop is like ranting and raving. Oh my God, we've been waiting for you. you know, <laughs> and this bitch, David Berkowitz, like according to Bill the cop in his memory. And he slowly turns his head like this and smiles. And I've got a gun pointed two feet from me. He didn't flinch. He just kept that smile. And then he says to Berkowitz, says to the three of us, he says, well, he said, you got me. And uh, what took you so long? What took you so long? Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> shut, shut up, Berkowitz. The 70s, okay? We didn't have a database. There were no computers. <laughs> so they go into his apartment, and it is just as fucking ghoulish as you would imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like a, a really mentally unwell person there lives there. There's writing all over the walls. There's just like a mattress on the floor. One of the cops says, He was as crazy as a bed bug. And I'm like, what is that? I've never heard that. But <laughs> What happens is like suddenly like New York wakes up the next morning and like it's all gone, you know? Right, like, right, right. Like the serial killer has been caught and everyone is like breathing a sigh of relief. But like they don't immediately just like haul him off to jail. They put him under psychiatric evaluation. Like for some reason they want to give this, like I don't understand this. They just want to make sure, like, you know, everyone in this justice system has to be competent to stand trial. And yeah. prison reform, yes. Mental health care, yes, absolutely. But they, there's all this back and forth about whether he could stand trial or not. He's trying to play the doctors. Finally, he's just like, you know what? I'm going to plead guilty. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, thanks for the wasted time and taxpayer <laughs> money going back and forth calling 15 doctors in. But like what happens when somebody does that is that that just means that like the families never get their day in court. Right. 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 And there's no trial and there's no answers. Like, that's all the shit that comes out at trial. And, like, this is how fucking awful this person is. The right. only time the family gets to face him is at sentencing. And so all of the families come. Remember Stacy? She was the blonde one. Yeah, Stacy Moskowitz. Stacy Moskowitz. So when, like, all of the families are there, including her mother is there. The judge ordered to bring the defendant in. And he came in almost like in a, a prayer mode with his hands clasped over his handcuffs and chanting in a sing-song manner, Stacy is a whore, Stacy is a whore, knowing full well that Nasa Moskowitz would be there. And then he starts kicking and biting people and trying to jump out a window. We're told that he just didn't feel like being sentenced. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the people of New York in the 70s didn't feel like you terrorizing them either, you right. son of a bitch. <laughs> So sit in prison and serve you six life sentences and you can try to be a born again Christian and all that fake bullshit all you want with your online fucking ministry. I'm not buying it. Goodbye. What is this called? Son of Sam, hunt for a killer. Hunt for, well, they found him, girl. They found him. They hunted and they found him. (laughs) You know what? Cheers to that. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, get in the Patreon. It's over 150 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. It's everything from The Vow to Tiger King to all the stuff. Fierce City, Don't F with Cats, The Jinx, every, like all those long form series, the ones with 100 episodes, like The Vow is like 106 episodes about, it feels, (laughs) all of those things we're doing also you guys get ready for thursday the thursday app it's another episode of unsolved mysteries we're doing it every thursday until christmas we're going in order we're doing all 12 they are all amazing i am obsessed every episode is better than the last it's really unbelievable yeah we're doing all of them and they just show up on your feed yeah you, you do nothing it's not lady pates it's just it's just a little bonus it's just right there um what are we doing next girl we are doing Denimore prison break on oxygen i don't know anything about this i picked it and i'm so excited because i love a good jailbreak I, if they're all monsters i hope they're all back in jail or whatever but like i'm fascinated it's uh it's a doozy i'll say that it's <laughs> there are uh, there's a lot happening 
That's okay. it. No spoilers. <laughs> just a lot happening. Um, you guys, you can find everything you need True Crime Obsessed related at truecrimeobsessed.com. It's episodes, merch. It's the promo codes for all the ads. You can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Obsessed Podcast. You can follow Jillian at Jillian with a G on all the things. And you are at Patrick Hines on Twitter and Patrick Hines underscore on Insta. Yeah. So stay tuned for our ridiculous outtakes plus the trailer for the Denim Mora prison break. We love you guys. We love you. Bye. All right. Bye. She thought you guys were gonna run off into the sunset, all the three of you guys, or? Yeah, we figured something out if you wanna get out, you know. Matt and Sweat need a key person to help them with the escape. When they look at Joyce Mitchell, their sixth sense starts to tingle. Two deceptive criminals. She is literally side by side working with the inmates. Maybe she's getting attention that she didn't get in her own marriage. They make her feel like a princess. She likes it. One desperate woman. I didn't feel like my husband loved me anymore. She's got Mark written all over her. Brought together by temptation. She is in hook, line, and sinker. They wanted hacksaw blades. This is the true story behind the madness of their wild prison break. There are 1,300 men searching the woods. They could kill her. They could kill anyone. I was so scared. I was in way over my head. Where's Renee's memoir? I want that. Forthcoming, I hope. Totally. <laughs> ID, it's a very simple, yes, I will talk about this traumatic thing that happened to me, but again, I ask you, what bar am I going to? <laughs> it's very simple. They're drinking beer, shirts off, yeah. at like Jones Beach or whatever. And they look good, girl. Look <laughs> she looked good. <laughs> Turn around, girlfriend, and listen to that boy's song. It's autumn sunrise. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay? Wait, we were doing two completely different bits. Oh my God, are you okay? I was laughing in the water. You, you asked me, right? So, what part? So, what part? What part? Just curious. It's just, it's real. It's just like to me, it's a very simple question. It's two words. What part? What bar? Which, which bar? Sometimes the need to kill becomes so overwhelming that I fear myself. There is a responsible way to do this, and I just figured it out. Oh, great. Oh. Patrick Hines for fucking mayor. God damn it. All right. Every, totally. Everything's canceled. <laughs> Bye. We did it. We solved it. Thanks. Totally. <laughs> so now the killer sends a letter about how mad he is, and it ends with like, so kiss my ass, all yous bitches. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I got to tell you something, okay, about this about this neighborhood in Queens. It used to be you could smooch until the cows came home. You can't do that no more. She was like the wrinkles, the clown of Queens. Don't <laughs> act up. I'll tell Sharon what you did. Ooh, Sharon's going to hear about this if you don't eat your peas. If you don't go to bed, you can tell Sharon. <laughs> <laughs>